This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your presence here with us now, and we pray, Lord, that you would touch each one of our hearts and minds as we open your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 20, verse 17. Matthew 20, verse 17 is the passage here we're going to be looking at. It's only three verses, it's 17, 18, and 19, and that's what we're going to be looking at, Matthew 20, verse 17 through 19. Okay, here we go. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. Okay, now, so where we are right now is that the Lord is going, he's been going along now, he's had a change in direction, he's leading his small band of 12, as it says here in verse 17, going up to Jerusalem. He makes his move, he's making his move from Galilee, the place of really, Galilee is the place of the outcast, it's called Galilee of the Gentiles, where the people the people knew him, the people knew that they also had great needs and they came to him. He found a welcome there in Galilee. It was where he was from, from Nazareth. And now he makes his move to go into really enemy territory down there in Jerusalem. It's the center of the Sanhedrin, the court, and the court that's going to eventually condemn him to death. It's what he's talking about here. And he makes his move to Jerusalem because Passover is coming. This is the time the Passover is coming up. The Passover was to be celebrated in Jerusalem, as God indicated in Deuteronomy 12.5. He told them, Deuteronomy 12.5, unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all the tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation, so you seek, and thither thou shalt come. 
So the people were instructed to go to Jerusalem for the Passover. Jerusalem's the place which the Lord chose out of Israel to put his name there. And so he's making his move now to celebrate Passover, but more importantly, not to celebrate the Passover, but he's making his move now to become the Passover. He will become the Passover. You know, the Passover was not only referred to a holiday, but that also referred to the central figure of that holiday, which was the lamb. The lamb was called the Passover. In Exodus 12, 11, Exodus 12, 11, the Lord said, thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. And I'll pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both of man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt will I execute. Judgment, I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So Christ himself is called the Passover. This is what he's called in 1 Corinthians 5.17. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says, even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And that's a name we rarely see about Christ. We rarely see, we see him as king of kings, we see as the lamb, but we rarely see him with the name of the Passover, but that's what he is. And it's an interesting word, the Passover. Passover in Hebrew is Pesach, which literally means to skip over, to exempt, so to speak, or Passover. For example, today, if you were in the Israeli Defense Force, if you were in the IDF, if you were in the army, for example, and let's say that uh, the, the army said, okay, we're going to do a 10-mile hike today, and everybody line up, and then the platoon sergeant there started going through a list of names, and you're listening, and and for the names, and he would say, you know, the, the Israeli names, he would say Shimon, and Dan, and Barak, and, and Matan, and so forth, and then when he came to your name, if you had bad feet, for example, and you couldn't go on this 10-mile hike, then he would say your name, and then he would say Pesach. You're exempt. You're passed over. You don't have to do it. You got a foot problem. And that's the meaning behind the word Passover. It doesn't mean foot problem. It means it gets skipped over, exempt. And so when the angel of death was coming to the house, going house by house, you know, this house and that house, you can almost picture him, you know, doing that. And he's checking each house before he kills the firstborn. And he sees if there's a blood there. And then if he sees there's blood, then he says, oh, Pesach, exempt, skip over that house. And so this is the name of Christ. His name means skipped over. His name means exempt because every person deserves hell. And for those who are in Christ, well, they're skipped over. They're exempt. You know, every person who's in Christ can say, I'm in Pesach. I'm in exemption. I'm in the skipped over, which means I'm in Christ. I'm skipped over from hell. I'm passed over. I love this name, Pesach. I love this name so much that one time there was an Orthodox rabbi and he was pressing me, what is your Hebrew name? And he told me, he says, Tom, you're a Jew and you must have a Hebrew name. I said, I don't know. I said, I asked my father what my Hebrew name was and he says, well, you're Thomas the Shamas, he used to say <laughs> The rabbi said to me, no, 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 Thomas is not a Hebrew name, and your parents didn't do that for you. Shame on them, and they didn't choose a Hebrew name, so now you get to choose your own Hebrew name. 
what name do you choose? And I said, all right. I said, I choose Pesach. I want to be Pesach. That's my Hebrew name. The rabbi says, Pesach. He says, I don't know anyone, Passover, that has the Hebrew name of Pesach. But if that's the name you want, okay, Pesach. And now he calls me Pesach all the time. He calls me Pesach, calls me on the phone. So I chose Pesach for a Hebrew name because of 1 Corinthians 5, 7. 1 Corinthians 5, 17. For even Christ, our Pesach, is sacrificed for us. He's our Passover. Well, the Passover was all about a person identifying with a particular lamb. During Passover, a person could ask another person, hey, so where's your Passover? Where's your Passover lamb? Where's the lamb that's going to be your Passover? Because in that first Passover night, it was the blood of the family lamb. It was a family lamb, and that saved the family from dying that, and that was their family Passover lamb. So there, the emphasis was on each person had to have his own particular lamb. That was his Passover, and this was the point that Moses was making in Exodus 12.4, Exodus 12.4, when Moses said, the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to him, his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. See, when Moses said that, very important in Exodus 12, 4, every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. That meant that the question could be asked, okay, here we have a lamb. What's the count for this lamb? Some leader could come in and say, there's a lamb. What's the count for that lamb? He, what he's meaning is, who, where's the list of the people who are trusting that lamb to save them from death? That's the Exodus 12, 4, every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ was doing in verse 17 when he's going to become the Passover lamb. When it says in verse 17, Jesus going up to Jerusalem, he was going to become the Passover lamb that John the Baptist had identified in John 1.29, John 1.29, when John the Baptist said, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. That title, the Lamb of God, means the Passover Lamb. He's the Passover Lamb. And just as Moses said to every person, you have to identify with the Lamb. So tell me, which Lamb are you identifying with? Or in reverse, Here's the lamb. Give me a list of the people who are trusting in this lamb. Exodus 12, 4. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. So when Jesus went up to Jerusalem to become the Passover, the question could become, here is Jesus, the Passover lamb. Which one of you are making your count for this Jesus Passover lamb? Really, this is what communion is supposed to be all about. It's a time when each person is supposed to be making the statement by the communion that when I take this bread and I take this wine or juice, that I'm saying, yes, I am adding my name to the count where I'm making this Jesus Passover lamb my Passover lamb. So that I'm saying by the communion, I'm trusting in this lamb, this Jesus Passover lamb to save me from hell, or another way to put it, 
is is you say, okay, here's this Jesus Passover lamb. Give me a count now of the people who are trusting him to save them. Exodus 12, 4 is all about this. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. That's why Moses emphasized this. And that's why the Lord said at the institution of the communion that the bread and the wine symbolized his body and his blood, and a person was to symbolically eat his body and his blood like the Israelites were to eat the Passover lamb, and that's the way that they showed that they were choosing that lamb to be their Passover lamb. Exodus 12, 4, every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. So what the Lord was offering in the communion was the opportunity, and what we have in the communion, and actually be today, what we'll have in the communion will be the opportunity for every person to make his soul count for Jesus, the Passover lamb. See, in Matthew 26, 26, this is what he said, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup in Matthew 26, 27, and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sins. And then later on in John 53, John 6, 53, it says, Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. So in saying that a person had to symbolically eat his flesh and drink his blood, he's referring to the practice of how a person made a lamb, his Passover lamb, by again, Exodus 12, 4, Exodus 12, 4, every man according to his eating shall make his your count for the lamb. So the lamb's called the Lord's Passover, and he's now moving on from where he is up there in Galilee down to Jerusalem to become the Lord's Passover, or as John the Baptist put it in John 1.29, John 1.29, the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So, so the question really is, what thoughts were filling his head in verse 17 as he was making this change in direction now to go down to Jerusalem. What thoughts was he thinking? He's thinking about his, this reminds me of a gun smoke episode. How many here are old enough to remember gun smoke? A few of you old guys are, okay, good. So gun smoke episode, and I like this was one of erratic. It was a story of a son and a father, and the son was guilty of murder. He'd been convicted. He was gonna, the sentence was he was gonna hang. And the son was falling apart and he didn't want to die. And he was crying like a baby and his father was calling him a coward. And the father said, I don't want the reputation that my son died as a coward. So his father wanted his son to have the reputation that he died bravely with a smile on his face. That was the title of the episode, Smile on His Face. So his father concocted this lie that was told to his son. And the lie was that the sheriff and the hangman had all been paid off with thousands of dollars. 
to make it look like he was going to die, but he was told you're not really going to die. But the lie that he was told to him was that the rope around his neck would be longer than normal and that under the scaffold, out of sight, there would be barrels and that when the scaffold floor opened up, that he would fall out of sight and land on those barrels and it would look to everybody like hung and he was hanged and he died, but he really was safely going to land under the scaffold and those barrels out of sight and he'd be alive. He really died. But he died under the illusion with a smile on his face that he was going to live. That's how the episode's called, with a smile, something like that. And now because all that the father wanted was that he would have the reputation that he didn't die as a coward. And that man who was hanged, he died with a smile on his face because he was under the illusion he wasn't really going to die. The Lord Jesus was under no false illusion like that. He really did die. He died. That's the whole issue of why Chuck Smith kicked me off his radio program from Calvary Chapel of North there because I said he really died. And I went through all this thing about dehydration and everything. And Chuck Smith said, no, he really didn't die. He just, I had some strange thing, transferred his spirit or something like that. Well, Jesus was under no illusion that he wasn't going to die. He knew exactly he was going to die. He knew the horrible death that he was going to die. And he was in full consciousness of what lay ahead for him. And that's why he said in John 18, 4, John 18, 4, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, whom seek ye. That was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says specifically, he knew everything that was going to happen to him. Knowing all things that shall come upon him, he went forth. He knew everything that was going to happen to him, and he made his move in verse 17 to go to Jerusalem. And he, knowing everything, he still made his move to go to Jerusalem. He could have decided to not go. He could have decided. He totally had the choice to do this. And he said in John 10, 17, John 10, 17, he said, Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So he receives a commandment of the Father. He receives a commandment from God the Father, but it's totally his choice whether or not he's going to obey that commandment. The commandment was for him You're going to hear the father say, son, become the lamb of God. Died for the sins of the world as a love gift. And you can say, therefore, that I so loved the world that I gave my only begotten son, that whoever believes into him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then he went on to say in John 3.17, John 3.17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So now he changes direction. He's going toward Jerusalem and something is burning. Something is stirring. Something is really troubling him in his heart. And it says in verse 17, and Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples apart in the way and said unto them, it's going on. And he goes on. So his mind is not only thinking of himself and what he's going to suffer in Jerusalem, but in his mind now, on his mind are his disciples. So he pulls these 12 disciples apart from the others to prepare them for what's going to happen to him. He wants them to understand very much the what was in store for him and also the why. 
of his upcoming sufferings. And so what we see him doing here is that he pulls them apart, says he pulls them apart like in a quiet space so he can talk to them heart to heart. That's verse 17. He takes them apart. They're in the way. And when you see that, they're in the way, and he pulls them apart very much like our morning devotion times. You know, where our lives are like on a road. We're on just constantly going down this road and oh, so many things. And then the Lord just says, oh, just come apart here a little bit. And he talks to us and he whispers in the ear and he tells secrets. You know, it's just like, and then he's, he says, now what I just told you, I want you to tell the world. In Matthew 10, 27, Matthew 10, 27, he says, what I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. So anyways, it's interesting that it says he was in the way with them and he pulls them apart. It wasn't during dinner that he starts to talk to him this way. It wasn't in a house. It was not in a dramatic, okay, now we need to sit down because I got to tell you something very important. It's just kind of in the way. Is there a part and they're in their way, they're on their way and they're just talking along and, and all of a sudden he kind of drops this bombshell on them about his suffering. And it was all done in the way. And it's interesting about the in the way because this was one, this in the way talk is one of the three ways that God told parents how they were to teach their children. It was in the way. One of them was in the way in the Shema and in, uh, in Deuteronomy 6.4, Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So what we're told here is that they were, the parents were to diligently teach their children the word of God at the table while they were sitting down in their houses, at the bedside when they were lying down to go to sleep, and at the bedside when they woke up, and specifically on the road, in the way, when they were going someplace. This is the picture of these two disciples, these men that are on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, 13, Luke 24, 13, where it says, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlong. They talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and with them, he just walked along with them. By the way, they were just two disciples. They were walking down a road. They were going to Emmaus, and, uh, and all of a sudden, Jesus meets them. It's very much a picture, what happened to them, of the Word of God in our lives. We're moving along, and the Word of God has a promise of Proverbs 6.22. Proverbs 6.22 is a promise about the Word of God. It says, when thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and the reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.